Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you. Each lesson, as you heard tonight in the lectionary, has given us its own perspective on what it means to be thankful. And there should be an abundance of giving thanks or thanksgiving on this night and certainly on the morrow. And for each day we are blessed to have an opportunity to give thanks with a grateful heart as our opening song so beautifully puts it. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Not surprisingly then, thankfulness is one of the side dishes of our worship tonight on this eve of a day that is dedicated to giving thanks. Pumpkin pie may be on the menu. I know I've had a bit of that already in our little pie bonanza before worship, and I'm going to have one saved for me by a little girl named Kenzie after service. If you're going to blow up your carbs, you should do it with pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie may be on the menu, but humble pie is the other side dish for all of us. We should be humble. We should be eating a lot of humble pie this time of year. There's so much that we should be thankful for. We should be humble. The main course for tonight is not turkey. Save that for tomorrow. The main course tonight and every night and every day that we are in God's house and certainly when we are at home should be God's word and sacrament. So I asked you before the visions of turkey legs and pecan pie and whip topping and Hawaiian rolls. Oh, those Hawaiian rolls. Before grandma's stuffing and cream corn, before sweet potatoes and deviled eggs, I want you tonight to clear your minds, clear your senses. Don't look too far forward for that meal tomorrow. Instead, I want you to open your hearts and minds and ears to the word that nourishes both body and soul, the word that feeds you with plentiful gifts of the Spirit that comes from a loving and most gracious and providential God. So let's look at the text and the perspectives that they give us on giving thanks for tonight. The Old Testament lesson from Deuteronomy comes from Moses at a time when you wouldn't think he'd be too darn thankful. You see, Moses is about ready to die away from the promised land of Canaan. He would not be allowed to go. He would not realize that land promised. But he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to remind and encourage God's chosen people of the many blessings which has been bestowed upon them over those 40 years up to and including the fulfillment of God's promise to deliver them to a land of brooks and water. Can you imagine what this place must look like? Fountains and springs, a land of wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, olive trees, and honey. Moses told his people, Remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Implicit in those words from Moses 
is the fact that the people of Israel would have gone nowhere. Not across the land, not into the desert or out of the desert, not a few miles down the road, not a few years down the road. They would have gone nowhere without God leading them and providing for them. Moses even called the people to be thankful that God humbled them through testing and trial and hunger. That he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Moses reminds them to be thankful that your clothing didn't wear out on you and that your foot did not swell these 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Also implicit in Moses' words is the reality that you and I would have gone nowhere in our lives. Not part way, not a block down the road, not any way or anywhere without God leading you, God providing for you, God blessing you, God testing you, with all manner of trial, and boy, can we understand manners of trial this year. But most of all, God loving you all the way to the point of death, even death on the cross. The Israelites in our text, who had done their share of complaining, even idol-worshiping, we're preparing to be led by Joshua into the land that the Lord swore to give them. Moses charged them, keep the commandment of the Lord your God by walking in his ways, by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. That's why Sunday I said, fear God before you love God. Luther would say, fear, love, and trust. He never put the others in front of it. We must be reverently in awe of the majesty of a God who would love us despite our nature. The Israelites in our text had so much to be thankful for as they began to cross the River Jordan and step in their foot into the Promised Land. We may not think about it right now when we're so beat up at one end of this political spectrum or another and we're so tired of COVID and social distancing and mask wearing and all the other things and, and, and ventilators and everything we hear, it's ad nauseum. We may be tired of that. We may be so distraught over that, but we still have much to be thankful for. Even after a year filled with terror and drama and disease and what I like to call political pestilence, and truly an all-out assault on the moral character and culture of our nation. Even after all that, as we prepare to step our foot into the new year, this is still a land of promise. It's still the greatest nation on earth by God's grace. By God alone. Should we give thanks today and, quite frankly, every day? We still have this place to live. 
and this ability to come here and eat pumpkin pie and blueberry pie and orange pumpkin pie and filled ourselves to fattening. I'm sorry, I can't take that anymore. Hold on. I'm back to my six-foot self. Okay. Thank you very much. God shows his mercy in this text and his grace, and he does so for an entire nation, entire people. But in our gospel lesson, he shows it for just a handful of people, doesn't he? He travels to Jerusalem, he enters the city in a village, and he's met by ten lepers, and they're all screaming out to him, Lord, have mercy on us. Master, have mercy. If you know anything about leprosy, you know that they needed all the mercy they could get. They were castaways. They lived in, away from everybody, could not show their faces, had to live in tunnels and caves. Jesus had compassion on them. He said, go and show yourselves to the priests, and the ten were cleansed. In our epistle lesson from Paul tonight to the church at Philippi, he delivers this impassioned exhortation of how thankful he is to God. Because it's God that has led him out of all manner of trial and trouble to a place of joy and contentment and peace. Listen to Paul's words again. I have learned that in whatever situation, whatever situation, COVID, whatever, I am to be content because I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So grateful is Paul, he is convinced of God's providence and nature and his mercy. And he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's got to be somebody's confirmation verse. That's somewhere down the line, if you're a Lutheran. In these unpredictable and challenging times, then, there have been any number of examples where you or I or people we know have been brought low, have faced hunger, have been in need. Out of those trials by faith in Jesus, we learn to be content in every situation. We learn to abound under any circumstances. Those words that were meant for us to say as well, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In these and in countless other scriptures, God's mercy and his love and his compassion are recorded for us so that we might rejoice in him and praise him and abide in him. Yet the response of a thankful people often falls well short of praise and thanksgiving. The very same scriptures speaking of a blessed people, the nation of Israel, speaks of people who are often, in fact too often, not thankful at all. They were ungrateful, unfaithful, and thankless. The same God 
very same God who saved them from exile, who guided them through the wilderness, who provided for them a land rich for the harvest and full of hope, they turned away from him and turned to their own way. We are always one generation from that in our own country, in our own world today. Look at the ten suffering lepers whose anguished call for mercy Jesus heard and answered by purging them of their disease. Only one turned back, praising God with a loud voice, falling on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Wouldn't you know it? The one who came back to give him thanks was not a Jew. It was a Samaritan. In our nation, a very long time ago, a day was officially sanctioned and set aside for us to give thanks. Doesn't it seem silly that we only set one day aside for that? So tomorrow there's going to be no shortage of people saying thanks. There's going to be, no doubt, many speeches, official proclamations, the annual saving of the life of a turkey by the president in the presidential pardon. He's been pardoning a lot of turkeys lately. And of course, there will be family gatherings. Only this year, the number attending may be rationed. It may be difficult to discern grandpa from the uncle because everyone will have a mask on. Those traditional meals may be monitored to ensure six-foot social distancing is applied. And if you're unlucky enough to be certain states, you're going to have to eat outside if your family gathers at all. And of course, there's going to be the annual Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade with those filling the streets of New York with those giant inflatable characters, which all of us will be able to watch virtually. And there will be no more than, no less than four sporting events on TV. All the throngs of cardboard cutouts screaming for their fans in the end zones. I wonder if the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders would be life-size cardboard cutouts. I'll, I'll have to wait till tomorrow to find that out. If they get on the, and come back and go out and like that, I'm, I'm, that's, that's amazing. And then another nod to the unusual, I just found out that there's going to be lots of restaurants, dining in, drive through dash, curbside, that are going to be open tomorrow. They need to make a living. They're going to be open on Thanksgiving. Still, most people tomorrow will be kinder and friendlier than any other day this year, and that in and of itself will be more noticeable than ever since we are just coming out of the vitriol of the masses during this recent election cycle. It'll be great to see somebody act kind. Someone to say thank you. Have a blessed day. And here's the best of all. You don't have to get up at four in the morning to stand in line at a Walmart for Black Friday because this year, Black Friday is every day. From now to Christmas, it's Black Friday. Thanksgiving, like Christmas, and in, way, in many ways, like Easter, has all been marginalized and commercialized. But we Christians know better than that, don't we? 
So tomorrow, when you participate in your day of giving thanks, I want you to consider this. To whom is thanks being given? How often will God be praised tomorrow in your home or in the community around you or on TV or at the mall or wherever they are waiting in line to get that last 79 million inch TV? Many people tomorrow will be thankful for their health and their family and their job and their friends and their new home and their significant other. But how many will point directly to God and sing his praise? How many will acknowledge that all they have, all we are, all around us, is all about God? His caring, his loving, his mercy for his human creation. Very often the world today, as in Jesus' day, falls short of responding in thanksgiving and praise to God. So tomorrow, I want you to hear these words tonight. Paul's spirited words to the church at Philippi. And I want that to resonate in your hearts and your Christian households tomorrow. Make this a pointed prayer for every one of your family before you eat. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. So tomorrow when the nation pauses to give thanks with its usual round of parades and football games and specials on TV, hot home-cooked turkey dinners, let us first remember the one who gives us the greatest reason for Thanksgiving, not just on an officially sanctioned day, but on every day we are blessed with life. First and foremost, give thanks to God. It would not do us any harm to be the Samaritan leper, who when he realized he was cleansed, knew immediately how and why and by whom. And he fell on his face before the Lord and gave thanks. We should be thankful for the country we live in, for our freedoms, for the things we have, for family. It's right to give thanks for these gifts. But the object of our thankfulness should always first and foremost be God. Paul said, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. I encourage all of you who hear this message tonight and those who may be watching in to, to give thanks with a grateful heart. Not just tomorrow, but every day. Amen.